Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Rock and Road podcast. This is Leona Graham. Thank you for joining me. If possible, please like, rate and review wherever you may be watching or listening to this podcast. And this week I've got a great show lined up because I will be trying out the new Harley-Davidson Livewire electric motorcycle and my special guest is Tessa Peake-Jones, a.k.a. Raquel from Only Fools and Horses and she's also in a new movie coming out soon called I'm Not In Love. But first, let's try out this brand new motorcycle. I currently have a Harley-Davidson Livewire, which is Harley-Davidson's first and all-new electric motorcycle. So how do you make an electric motorcycle without a great big fat engine look like a Harley? Well, what they've done is try and focus on the styling and the design. And in their words, they've covered it in a bright case, which is mechanical, a muscular shape, and it's meant to convey the power it contains. And before you think, what power? This does naught to 60 in three seconds. Even the high voltage battery has been deliberately styled with cooling fins that are meant to look like the horizontal cooling fins on an air-cooled engine. Lovely colours. This particular one is called an orange fuse, also comes in a yellow fuse and a vivid black. It's got a TFT touchscreen, 4.3 inch colour screen, seven riding modes, lovely bright LED lights, and you can link it with your smartphone using the latest version of the Harley-Davidson app. Now, the high-voltage battery is meant to provide 146 miles of city range and 95 miles combined stop and go. If you use a fast charge point, this can charge it in 40 minutes and get 100% 60 minutes. Now, where can you charge them? Well, Harley-Davidson are creating a strong network of charging stations globally. Well, let's try it out. I'm pulling away in it now and you've got a slight bit of um, engine noise. I just lean in. Can you hear this? This is not totally silent. And I just came round a corner then and somebody turned their head so they heard me coming, which is uh, good. It's literally just a twist and go system. And the indicators are oh, something I love. Makes so much more sense. You have indicator on the right for turning right, indicator on the left for turning left. Another thing I love about them is their self-cancelling. Please make that standard on all bikes. I'm going to see uh, what it feels like to open up the throttle now. Meant to be 0 to 60 in three seconds. Let's find out. Okay, are we ready? Here we go. Oh! oh! I did naught to 40 and I had to stop. I felt like I was going to fly off. It's almost like I couldn't hold on. <laughs> Let me give it another go. Got to 55 then. I can feel it pulsing now I'm at the lights, which I read on the press sheet uh, is a deliberate move. I presume so that you know that it's still on because it's so quiet when you're stationary. And then when you're moving, the pulsing stops. 
There's no left hand brake, only on the right and the right foot. Your left hand is almost redundant apart from indicating to go left. Now, whilst I had some fun on the Harley Davidson Livewire, I feel like at this stage what we need is to speak to somebody who's been biking for years, since 1987, in fact. So let's see what he thinks of the all-new Harley Davidson electric bike. I'm with my biker friend Gary, and he's going to have a little spin, or quite a large spin, on the Harley Davidson Livewire. What's your first impressions looking at it, Gary? I think it looks really interesting. I mean... It looks like it's going to be fun to ride. I'm surprised that you said that because you, you're not a fan of electric bikes. From, from what I gather, you're more of a petrol head. Well, I'm definitely a petrol head. Um, I've not tried an electric bike yet. I'm kind of excited to try it. I'm, yeah, I mean, my, my fears with them stem from the costs involved, making the batteries, how long the batteries last, how long the range is on the bike and everything else. Um, that's my concerns with electric vehicles, but they're getting better every day. I think it's it's I've got to give it a fair shot. Okay, well let's let's speak to you after you've been out for a spin. So Gary's back from his ride on the Harley, the Livewire Electric. How did you find it? It's a mixed emotion, I think is the easiest way to say it. It feels like a cross between a motorbike and a train. Why a train? You know, when you get on a train and it pulls out of the station, it's just a, a pull and the way it feels and the noise it makes. That kind of... Yeah, just a, a kind of constant acceleration. But it lacks the theatre of being a motorcycle. When you turn your motorbike on, you press the starter, it makes noise, you know, you've got the starter motor, you've then got the engine ticking over, you clunk it into gear and you become part of it. Also, when you're riding, I mean... When you're going into a corner, you're using the gearbox to slow down as well as the brakes and everything else. It's a different experience and, I, and I've kind of had to relearn how to ride to ride it. With the electric bike, you were into a corner, you brake and you were out of a corner. It's, it doesn't feel so inclusive. So was it an unsatisfying ride? I wouldn't say unsatisfying. Different. Maybe you'd have to develop a different set of skills um, to get the most out of it. So you still enjoyed it? Oh, I, I enjoy riding anything on two wheels, and this, this has been no different. It's, I've had a good afternoon enjoying myself on it. Now, uh, the battery ran out while you were out, so you used the portable charger, but that isn't as, as quite as quick as you thought it might be. No, I went out, um, I think it said I had 95 or so miles range when I went out on it. Um, I think I'd used up the best part of that after about 65 miles. So, I mean, obviously that they've got to average it out, and I was probably riding a bit more spiritedly than their calculations. <laughs> well, when I went out on it, all I did was test uh, what the 0 to 60 felt like over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of addictive. Pulling away from traffic lights is is real good fun. And again, it comes down down to that train feeling. It's just that linear. Con, you know constant acceleration it feels fantastic you took it up box hill and there was lots of other bikers there did they comment on it i got approached by about 15 people really what did they say well it's all we saw you arrive but we didn't hear anything so we had to come over and ask what it is <laughs> <laughs> and were they interested did they think they want to try one um 
Boxhill is petrol head heaven. Um, there was a few people who kind of had a prod and a poke and a good look around it. And But I think the interest will grow. Um, I mean, obviously I could speak about how I how I'd found riding it and how it handled handles lovely it's got poise and balance like you wouldn't believe um so yeah I think interest could possibly grow but I think there's some things that would need to develop before it becomes a major motorcycle for the road and what are those things do you reckon um noise for one thing because not only will cars not see you they won't hear you now um the bike in a way makes you lazy because you're, you're not as interactive with it it's just the throttle and the brake but you've got to be so much more aware mentally because people can't hear you so i think that would need to be addressed i mean the lights are good um i think people see you more for your lights than they do for hearing you it, i think it's always going to be a sticky situation with an electric vehicle because they are by their very nature quiet and there's nothing you can do about it um, most people with a motorcycle one of the first things they do is put a different exhaust on to make it louder i i do believe in the adage of loud pipes save lives um, all of my bikes have got a, a slightly louder ex- not not a rude loud exhaust but a slightly louder one because people do pay attention to it mm, good tip gary all right well thank you very much for trying it out for the podcast you're very welcome. It's been a great afternoon. So there you have our review of the Harley Davidson Livewire. But before we conclude, we've got to have a quick word from Harley. Right, big moment here. Harley, meet Harley. Hello. What do you think of the bike? It's really nice. You were named after this brand of motorcycle. How do you feel about that? Excited. <laughs> the kids these days, they just don't appreciate it. And what's your first impression? Um... It has a nice orange colour on it. Yeah, anything about the styling? It's smaller. Yeah, it is definitely smaller than their usual bikes. Okay, so when you're older, do you think you might have a Harley Davidson? Um, yeah, but I'll probably get like um, a non-electric one because it'll be like a bit bigger and cooler. I know what you're saying. All right, Harley, thank you. Well, as ever, if you want to see photos of the Harley Davidson live wire, have a look at Instagram at Rock and Road Pod. Now, on to my special guest, Tessa Peake-Jones. You may know her better as Raquel from Only Fools and Horses. And she's in a new movie out next week. Please welcome to the podcast, Tessa Peake-Jones. Hi, Tessa, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you, which is, um, yeah, amazing considering the year we've been in, but terribly well. It's certainly been a strange one, hasn't it? And how have you been over this last COVID year? Well, fine. I mean, I was in the theatre last March when uh, we were on tour when when this all happened and Boris said, I suggest you don't go to the theatre tonight. So our show was immediately cancelled that day and we were all, um, you know, unemployed suddenly. So I had six months, as the country did, of not knowing what on earth was going on and particularly for theatre, which still hasn't opened. Uh, But luckily, I've just spent six months doing um, the sixth series of Blanchester. So I feel incredibly blessed because yeah. it could have been that, you know, like many of my theatre colleagues who are still waiting for work, um, I could have been in that boat too. But luckily, thanks to Grantchester, I have been working. That is very lucky indeed. And in fact, you made a film. Was that recorded before COVID then? Yes, the film I'm Not In Love 
was recorded in 2019 before COVID, but in fact, of course, stars Al Weaver, who is also with me in Grantchester. Amazing, yes. So you're in this new film, and this is actually out soon, isn't it? April the 12th. Digital release on April the 12th sounds terribly impressive, doesn't it? it does. Someone who's technologically hopeless. <laughs> but um, yes, on April the 12th, it, it will be going going out on certain streaming things. Okay, so it's called I'm Not In Love, and what part do you play? Well, I play, Al Weaver's playing the lead in this. He plays a young man called Rob, and I play his mother, which oh. uh, was just wonderful because we, we do a sort of not quite mother-son relationship in Grantchester, but, but she nags, she's the housekeeper and she nags him and he's the curate. So it didn't take much to step then to the next level, which was mum and son. Uh, and there was it was joyful because, you know, there was a shorthand. When you know an actor well and, you you know, I've known him. I was his mentor at drama school when he was at Guildhall. Oh, wow, yeah. When you've known someone that long and watched their career and then worked with them on a teleseries and then you get to work with them on film as their mum, a very emotionally manipulative woman she Ooh. is too it's joyous yeah that's that's really nice and when you started out what made you choose acting as a career well i really wanted to be a dancer but i realized by the age of about 15 that bodily wise i really wasn't the right shape i was quite chubby and also i wasn't classically i loved like tap and modern and all the stuff I wasn't really very brilliant at ballet. So I joined a little drama group that was connected to this little dancing school and, and then started doing, you know, speeches and Shakespeare and all that stuff. And that drama teacher encouraged me and said, why don't you try for drama school? Wow. Which drama school did you go to? I went to Central. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. I loved it. And of course, there you learn all kinds of performance skills, including theatre. And talking of theatre, I had a guest on a few weeks ago from Only Fools and Horses, the musical. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. They very sweetly invited me to the original sort of first night, whenever that was. Yeah. And I couldn't go because I think I was in the theatre at the time. I've heard such glowing things about it, though. Yes, it's absolutely brilliant. And they, yes, like you, are, you know, well. they're desperate to get back onto it. But yes, it is fantastic. Um, I can highly recommend it. Um, but coming back to the actual TV show now, what was it like being in that? Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, I mean, how can you not have a great time when you've got all those amazing comedy actors, you've got brilliant scripts, um, interesting parts, and, you know, more importantly than anything, the feedback from the audience. You know, every time we recorded one and we were in the studio and the audience were coming, they'd be queuing for hours to get in. They were mm. so dedicated. Yes, you know, it's I it's mean, so well loved, love isn't it? Well, it, it's still now, 20 years later. Yeah. You know, we still all get letters from people, youngsters who've said, oh, my mum or my granddad used to talk about it, and now I'm watching it. You know, and it gets passed down the generation because it's on UK Gold. And you think, I think the writer, John Sullivan, he died sadly too soon, but if he were, he'd be so chuffed. I know. The teenagers are still writing to us all to say they find it funny, you know? I think he'd be so thrilled. How did you go from uh, being a central drama school student to getting that big role? Well, funnily enough, the, a director came to see me at Central in my final, one of my final shows. And he was casting um, a telly program called Selfish Change, which was about a bank. It was a sort of drama series. And there was a part in it of a new young bank clerk that starts and she's terrified. 
and she goes through the series. I'd never done telly. Anyway, he came to see the show and um, offered me the part oh. because I was so terrified when I met him after the <laughs> performance. He said, I think you're just, just right for it. And I, I spent the six months watching and learning and in a corner, not speaking to anyone. I was so scared and learning about cameras and learning about studios. And that same director, bless him, Barry Davis, he sadly died too, but he was a fantastic mentor. And he was like my fairy godfather. And he took me through virtually everything he did on telly he employed me and one of the things he employed me in was what the butler saw the joe Orton play which they did on telly yeah and i was in that and tony dow who directs only fools and horses saw it so when they were casting raquel uh he asked me to come in and read for it and i had never like unlike most of the country i'd never seen only fools and horses because i was doing so much theater i didn't really ever <laughs> get into it so i didn't know what i was going into and i read the script and thought wow it's amazing <laughs> fantastically funny then I had to be recalled and read with David Jason, who again, I mean, I sort of made me safe, but I didn't know the And we read together and um, and the rest is history. Got the job and, you know, have never looked back. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Uh, amazing the way they, they discovered you like that as well. You didn't actually intend for it to happen. It just evolved like that. That's fantastic. Well, I think sometimes things in our business can be like that, actually. Yes, they most definitely can. It's all about timing. Well, this, this podcast is actually about cars and music. Now, um, just right. just referring it very quickly back to Only Fools and Horses, if you had yes. to choose, are you a Capri or a Robin Reliant person? Oh, definitely Capri. <laughs> Tell us why. Most definitely. Not a three-wheeler. I don't think I could ever <laughs> drive a three I mean, I was very late to drive, actually. I was 30. Okay, that is unusual. <laughs> I grew up um, without a car. Is it cause, Did you live in the city or...? Yeah, I lived in London, but we had right. bikes. We just didn't... My mum never drove, so I didn't drive. And I, of course, you can get on the tube, you know. So, yeah. I mean, didn't really ever need it. And when I was on tour early on, I just hitched lifts with other people in the cast. And finally thought, well, I better learn. And, I was, and my lovely aunt died and left me her very old Ford Escort. I took four t- driving tests past my test. So by the time I passed it, the car was even older, bless it. <laughs> and it was lovely. I loved it. And I've loved driving because I was so late. I've loved it ever since. I would rather drive and do any other. When I go on tour now, that's what I love about it, is getting in my car, packing up, and going to the next theatre. Wherever in the country, I love it. So what kind of vehicle do you drive now? Well, I've just been introduced to the world, second hand, but to the world of Fiat 500. Oh, okay. Small? Like it's like a club. Everywhere you drive, you'll see one coming along the other way. You know, I feel like we should have a little club where we all just do a secret signal to each other. There's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, you need to wave at each other or something. Yeah, but it's lovely. It's quite dinky. Yes. I'm not brilliant. At, I take rather time to park if it's a big car. So this is ideal. And it does the beeping noise when you're getting close to something behind you, which is very helpful with me. So I'm really enjoying it. It's sort of lightweight and yet feels sturdy. I'm loving it. That's brilliant. And what do it's you listen to? It's retro inside, you know, that's got buttons you press. It's quite, it's quite almost vintage inside, which I quite like. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. It's almost trendy now to make it look retro. Yes. Yeah. And do you listen to music when you're driving? I love things like Adele, Beyonce. I, interestingly, I love female singers. Do you sing along? Sometimes, depending what play I'm doing, mm. I'll find a particular song. Uh, at one point, it was um, Nothing Compares to You, 
Mm-hmm. Sinead O'Connor. Sometimes they'll be like, there was one from Chicago I did at one point. If I'm doing that and I'm driving, I'll put that on and I will sing it. Oh, it's like a warm up for my voice. I'll do it over and over and over. And I wouldn't inflict this on anyone else because I'm not a brilliant singer, <laughs> but it gets the vocal cords going. So I will sing it at the top of my voice in my car. This is what I love about cars is the, your own private space, isn't it? Yes. Yes, which is, I mean, you can even talk to yourself. You can do anything <laughs> because it doesn't matter, does it? And if you talk to yourself, people just think you're talking on your phone anyway. Yeah. No one would think you were mad. No. I'll, or I'll go through my lines. You know, it's a great way of, if you're doing a journey of, of going through everything. Yes, absolutely. Now, just before we go then, can you remind me about the film? It's out on April the 12th. Yes, it's called I'm Not In Love. And it's really about Al, Al Weaver, um, the actor, plays a boy called Rob, late 30s, 40. Should he commit... He and his girl, his girlfriend were quite like a baby. And it's that old age old dilemma, you know, do I commit now? Do we go ahead with this? Do we have a baby and go, this is it for the rest of our life? Do we look elsewhere? Is it leaving a bit late? So it's all those sort of quandaries that people in their late 30s and 40s, I think, are having about what to do with their lives. If they're not quite completely 100% sure that this is the person or this is the one I want to have a baby with. What do they do? So it's really about that dilemma between the two of them as a couple, what they do. And it's it's a, a, a light look at it. It's funny. It's sometimes sad. It's romantic. It's all sorts of things. It's lovely. It's very delightful. Oh, that sounds brilliant. Well, we'll look out for that then. April the 12th, I'm Not In Love, uh, starring you, Tessa Peake-Jones. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Leona. You've been lovely to chat to. <laughs> Dexter, have you seen Only Fools and Horses? No. Do you know what it is? No. It's a comedy TV show. What TV shows do you like? I don't know. James Bond. What cartoons do you like? Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Scooby-Dooby-Doo? Yeah. Anything else? That's it. One programme? Yeah. That's the only classic one. (laughs) Well, we all love a classic. Talking of classics, I've got two amazing classic albums to remind you about right now. And we'll start with one by the Choir Boys. Now, you may have heard me play It's 7 O'Clock, It's Time to Party quite a lot over the years by the Choir Boys, which is spelt Q-U-I-R-E, boys. The album is called A Bit of What You Fancy, and it does start with that amazing song, 7 O'Clock, which is a really good rock and roll number. But there's loads of other amazing, uplifting songs on this album. And I've got it on vinyl, so I've rediscovered it since I've got my record player. And I just want to share with you some of these amazing albums I'm rediscovering. Some great tracks on here, Man on the Loose, Great Riff on Sex Party, The B-Side, Hey You, Lively Rock Songs and Ballads. This is a great album, it came out in 1990, Choir Boys, A Bit of What You Fancy. And from a bit of happy-go-lucky rock and roll from the early 90s to something a little different from the 70s. Actually, from 1970, and it's Van Morrison, Moon Dance. I'm actually a huge Van Morrison fan. You may not have realised this, uh, but this is an album I'd love for you to play from start to finish. And without using that cliche musical journey, well, yes, I am going to use that cliche, because it is a musical journey from start to finish. And you really must try and listen to it in order all the way through. It starts with Stoned Me, goes on to the brilliant one that you may well know, Moon Dance. Lively song to open side two, Come Running. Um, It's basically a rhythm and blues rock music type album incorporating soul, jazz, pop and a bit of Irish folk as well. So Van Morrison, the album Moondance is one I highly recommend this week. 
That's it from the podcast this time. Episode 8 will feature the Dacia Sandero and another amazing special guest. Thank you for listening. Please follow me on the socials at Rock and Road Pod. Rock and Road Pod.